It's the California Wine Country Podcast with Steve Jackson and Dan Berger. We taste, we laugh, we learn. It is time for California Wine Country with Dan Berger. And in studio, our guest today is Nick Goldschmidt from goldschmidtvineyards.com. And uh, welcome back, dude. It's been a long time. What an honor to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, Mr. <laughs> New Zealand. Man, that I was to, dripping to, with sarcasm. I had to pack provisions to get all the way down here to Santa Rosa. You know, it's a long drive. <laughs> uh, Nick, you're from uh, New Zealand, you and your wife. Uh, how long have you been in our wine country? 32 years. 32. Wow. More well, than half my life I've get, been celebrating California. Give us the history of uh, yourself and... Uh, your uh, your wife and how you wound up in uh, Sonoma County in California from New Zealand. I thought we only had an hour. <laughs> Less than no, that. No, no, no. Less than that. We're going until <laughs> nine o'clock tonight. So don't worry. Anyway, here I am. No, um, we. Uh, I went to university in New Zealand, civil engineering, and then organics and biodynamics, and then I did a couple of degrees in Australia, one in viticulture, and then one in a postgraduate in enology. Uh, went to Chile back in the 80, late 80s and came wow. to California in 89. Uh, worked, f- got, a, got the job as winemaker at Simi Winery in 1990 under Zelma Long. That's a big Amazing. Deal. Zelma was just, I mean, I don't know. Zelma's just incredible. What a talent. And uh, she's one of, my, one of my four mentors for sure. And worked there for 14 years. We're owned by LVMH. In uh, 1992, they made me the global blender for LVMH. The, the, the global what? Blender. Blender. Yeah. Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. They own Cloudy Bay, Cape Mantel in Australia, Rafino in Italy, Terrasas in Argentina, which I became the first winemaker for, and Roses in Portugal. In 1999, we got sold to Constellation. Constellation was much smaller back then. It was Icon Estates. It was Franciscan Estancia, Blackstone, Ravenswood, and Simi. Now they own everything. <laughs> no, they got rid of a lot of the uh, some of those brands. Oh, did they? they and then uh, I left Simi in '03 and went to the largest company in the world called Allo de Mac, which is Claude Bois, William Hill, Atlas Peak, Gary Farrell, Mum, Bonavista, Campo Viejo, Marcos de Arenzo, Isios, Tarsos, Villaray. <laughs> Um, See, brand these New Zealand people talk so fast. I well, thought he was rapping. Show's over. <laughs> show's over in five minutes. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it was 58 wineries in seven countries, and I got to meet and live with some of the best winemakers that I've ever – and these people are still friends of mine today. And then we got sold to Jim Beam, so I ran Jim Beam, and then we got sold to Constellation and got my job back. So in 2008 yeah. – I went out on my own, and I do four things today. I um, make Goldschmidt wines, which we'll taste with you today. I have another company called um, who makes uh, wines for other people, and uh, which is about 50% of what I make now. I have an engineering business. I have seven patents for machineries, and then I consult for 26 wineries in seven countries. So, in other words, you got a lot of time to come on the show here. Well, I have five children. I have five children and a wife that's a lawyer. Good lord! <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, after, that's why he has to talk fast. So, <laughs> so after lunch, I go out to lunch with Dan Berger and you know hang out with you in the afternoon. So you know it's it's a it's called a balance. It's a balance. No, it's a cool thing. So next Thursday, I head off to Argentina again. And I'll be down there for 10 days. Then I'll go to Chile for a month. And then I'll go to New Zealand for another month. And I'll be... Very cool. 
come back just in time for harvest. I mean, and Harry, you and I will be sitting in these chairs here in the studio the whole time he's on the. Yep. It. Yeah. It sounds. We don't it, do anything. It's not what it sounds. It's not what it it's sounds. It's not as great as it sounds. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I love the people. I know it's a I lot just of, do what it's I do. Busy. It's uh, it's a lot of work. I do what I do, but I hang out with some of the best people in the world. You know? Right on. I, I'd love to hang out where you're going, but getting there is the challenge. Yeah, well, um, the COVID obviously has caused. I mean, getting into Canada where I work a lot. I'm in Canada once a month, and um, getting into Canada has been very difficult. Uh, getting into Chile. Um, Chile is the most vaccinated country in the world. And, really? Uh, I did so, not know that. Yeah, I know. A lot of people talk about third world not being vaccinated. But guess what? Chile is the most vaccinated country in the world. <laughs> wow. Um, so getting into Chile is awfully restrictive, and getting into New Zealand and Australia is pretty much impossible. Yeah, I've read about the New Zealand situation. In Argentina. I couldn't get in Argentina uh, for 18 months, but I can get in there now. Yeah. Dan? Thoughts, please. Nick is about as careful a winemaker as there is on the planet, and the fact that he works for so many companies does not mean that he gives any of them short shrift. Every single wine that Nick's involved with is precise, scientifically, carefully produced, and exhibits the character it's supposed to exhibit. And and for for a guy who makes so much wine, it's amazing. It's just amazing. <clears throat> And I enjoy and I enjoy a lot of his wines, not necessarily because of where they're from, but because of who made it. Because Nick has got a story about every single one of them, and he knows those stories. And don't start him because we'll be here till nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> we don't have the Warriors tonight. So. Oh, we do. Oh, we do. Yeah. Oh. I didn't look at the sheet. Oh, you're here till 9 o'clock. Huh? So speaking of stories, Dan, you haven't told us the story of your cellar wine yet. The cellar wine this evening came about as a result of uh, Nick and I having lunch today at Thai Bistro. We were sitting there, and he happened to mention he loved Chablis. So I said, why don't I just bring an old Chablis? So I went to the cellar, picked out a 2006 Joseph Drouin Chablis Premier Cru. And there it is in your glass, and it's pretty tasty. 16 years old. 16 years Chablis, old. And it's, I like it a lot, Eric. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the nose. I didn't get any nose at all. I did, and it didn't. I'm having allergies. So. Put me <laughs> in the mood know. for wine, but the taste is quite different. I yeah, agree. it's mature. It's got some softness to it, but it's still completely dry. No, no particular oak flavoring at all. I mean, you're not going to see any oak in most Chablis anyway. But the most important thing is. Harkens back to what Oded Shuck had said yesterday, right here on KSRO. Age your Chardonnay. Yes, and your name came up many times <laughs> while we were talking about. And that. I was thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was alone in this world. <laughs> the aging. Well, I, I, I suggested that perhaps every time your name was mentioned, you'd hear a little bell. <laughs> I got my wings. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Dan got his wings yesterday. Nick, your thoughts on this 2006 Chablis? Well, for me, you know, the first thing when I think about wine, I think about the vintage and uh, and where I was and what I was doing in 2006. And 2006 was, um, as I said, I was just, uh, I was at Jim Beam at that time and it was an amazing vintage. You know, and I look at vintages globally, you know, for instance, you know, for as a point of reference, 2021, which we've all just been through, um, was a fantastic vintage in pretty much every country except for 
New Zealand, which had an extreme frost problem, and and Canada, which had extreme smoke problem. So, you know, when I think 2006, what I was doing and where I was, you know, wine is a. It's, it, it's a this is why I don't make beer. I made beer for a number of years, but. When I showed up to work the next day, it's a, I had, you know, what do you do making beer? You make beer exactly the same way as you did yesterday, and it's the same job tomorrow. Beer, making beer is extremely boring. With wine, you get to live and tell the story once a year, what you were doing and how. Right. And, and, and every year the wine is different. You're subjected yeah. to not only climatic changes, but winemaking is the art of the practical. Can I crush the grapes today? Can I get enough pickers? Can... Uh, you know, there's a power cut in Healdsburg, so I, drank, I can't do the refrigeration. I mean, you, you just don't see this stuff coming, and this is what wine is all about. So in 2006, it was a great vintage. It was a little cooler vintage than a lot of other um, vintage around the world, and, uh, and in Burgundy was in Burgundy was the same thing, obviously, with Chablis. And uh, my visits to Chablis, and I think about the minerality, and my son worked at Louis Latour, which is very nearby, and um, so I went and visited Druan as well uh, earlier on. But it just, you know, touching and feeling and remembering what the vintage was like and, and, uh, and then go a little bit more closer to the place. So, yeah, interesting. You've brought a Goldschmidt Reserve uh, 19 Chardonnay. Singing Tree, and I remember last time you were on, we talked about Singing Tree. Explain that. Yeah, so last time I brought the regular Singing Tree Russian River Chardonnay, and today I brought the Dutton. So Warren Dutton, as you know, very famous name in the in the neighborhood. Completely iconic. And Warren was a very good friend of mine. He passed away, goodness, I don't remember, like 10 years ago yeah, now? Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, the two, so I worked with the two sons, and I bought... Fruit from the from Warren back when I was at Simi, and I've continued to do that. So this is a a vineyard on Poplar Street, which is in, near very near Grayton. It's part of Green Valley, which is the coldest subappellation of the Russian River, and we just make about four hundred cases of this in any year. Um, what's unique about it is it's not made from clones. There's no Dijon clones or UC Davis clones, which is what most of the Chardonnay is made today. This is an old field selection, mass selection. The reason why it still survives sitting on AXR1 is because it's on a Goldridge sandy loam, so the phylloxera haven't been able to infest it. The disadvantage is this vineyard is about 45 years old. You know, we talk about old vine Zin, sometimes old vine Cab. We never talk about old vine Chardonnay, but this is old vine Chardonnay. And the negative is, of course, it only produces about two, two and a half tonne an acre. So it's uh, a very difficult wine to make, and and uh, that hence we don't make much of it. But this, um, this wine is made pretty much like a mm. good quality French Burgundy, with uh, lees contact complexity, one side up, one side down the other. The most impressive thing is that it's got that sort of shallowy note to it along the side of the wine, but right up front is this wonderful fruit of lemon and uh, sort of a a kind of a, a Citrusy, uh, what would you call it, Nick? It's it's got a citrusy note to it, but I'm not sure what exactly it yeah, is. Yeah, I, th- I think of this is the C selection, S E E, which is that was known for, and C is known for being a little bit more melon and subtropical, rather than the stone fruit character that you get from the clones. Uh, so, but once you throw a little bit of age on it, and as you said, the extended juice leaves and double wine leaves, which we talked about over lunch. You get this creamy vanilla character, and what I'm what I'm trying to say, and I'm not a. Uh, this has no new wood, so 
what's interesting is is that Lees, and I told you the story about being in Chablis and getting confused between oak and Lees. And if you leave a wine on Lees for long enough, it actually tastes woody. You know, I get the, you get that vanilla, creamy, antioxidant character. And that's a custardy note. Is. A little bit custardy. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah, Delicious wine. Yeah. Give us more detail. Well, I think the richness of it is is embedded right in the center part of the wine, but in the aftertaste, you're picking up the acidity, which makes the wine absolutely perfect for pair, pairing with food. I mean, this is what wine is about. You've got different things happening at different points in the wine's right. life. Yeah, exactly. And in the taste and the finish and the everything. That's a delicious wine. It really is. What year is this? This is a 2019, and um, you can... Uh, I've talked to um, Barry about putting it at Bottle Barn, so um, you can cruise on down there and encourage him to bring it in for me. Barry. <laughs> he sells a lot of my wine, and, and the other place that sells a lot is Oliver's, and so we sell a lot of our wines at Oliver's and, and Bottle Barn. You will not be able to find us at BevMo or Costco or anything like that, so we're, we're right into the... Um, What's yeah. the retail price? Well, because it has Dutton... There are some Dutton rules. <laughs> so Steve you, Dutton and his wife Carissa correct. Cruz are regular correct. guests on the shows. Well, Carissa, yeah, both good friends of mine. Yeah. Uh, so the rule is no Dutton should be on the shelf <laughs> under $35. And so I think this wine is, would be right on $35. Okay. Yeah. I didn't Whereas know the that. regular singing tree would be about 18 to 20 And really? definitely that's sold at Oliver's and Bottle Burn. Okay. Dan? The, the Dutton name does denote quality. Um, the fact that they're getting only two to two and a half tons an acre is not necessarily just a result of the vineyard itself, but it's also a result of the uncompromising nature of the Dutton family. They will not try to get more fruit just because it pays more bills. It's actually uh, beneficial for the fruit, beneficial for the winemaker to get less fruit per acre. Harry, thoughts on this one? I, uh, you know, I'm still miffed at Nick for knocking brew make a beer making. I, I, I haven't quite figured if I've forgiven him yet for that comment. He said it's boring. It's the same thing every day. <laughs> but it's not. I, no, but Harry, when I go down the when I when I buy beer, I buy it once. <laughs> okay, and then once I've had it, I've tried. Okay, then I go next time I'm in the store, I buy another one, and then another one, and you can't make a business like that. I think our guests on the brouhaha would debate that with you. <laughs> I would love to see because I made beer commercially for five years, like big time, and we sold the brewery at the time. And um, yeah, no, no, I have a lot of experience in beer, a lot of experience. Yeah, so does Harry, but that's, <laughs> yeah, 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 he's yeah. never made beer; he just drinks it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has to. Yeah, well, he also has a towel. So. <laughs> but you can make beer all night. You got to make wine during the day. <laughs> So what else? Uh, now, you, Goldschmidt is doing a, a lot of uh, various wines, right? Yeah, so the next one I'm just pouring into Dan's glass right now is a, I have five children, and I just make wines with my daughters. I have three daughters and two sons. Um, hopefully one of my – my son, who's a winemaker, is not listening um, while I do this. But uh, So the story started in the year 2000. I was telling my children about living in living in Chile, uh, and back in those days we had a dictator in Chile called Augustin Pinochet. And Pinochet, if some some of us who are old enough will remember that, but Pinochet, uh, what dictators do is they can cut things off. So they cut off oil or water or food or power or whatever. And so 
making wine without electricity is kind of difficult, but interesting. So I was telling my children about how to do it. So that year we started this project called Five Gold Hands. My last name's Goldschmidt, Unplugged. So we went out, we picked half a ton of grapes, we handy stemmed it, we pijage, which is, you know, the stomping of the feet in the traditional way, the uh, the punch down with the sticks, and then we basket pressed it and we pumped it and we hand pumped it into a barrel and then we aged I did age the barrel in a warehouse for a year, so, you know, I wasn't completely stupid. And then we, uh, we hand bottled it. And uh, so after that, um, you know, we bottled it, five gold hands unplugged, and Chelsea... Who was uh, in twenty one and uh, sorry in two thousand one? We started making wine with Chelsea, and the label comes from when Chelsea was two. I traced around her head and she coloured it, and that's where the label comes from. <laughs> it's California Wine Country with Dan Berger, brought to you by Bottle Barn. Our guest today, the great Nick Goldschmidt from GoldschmidtVineyards.com. Uh, Nick, you guys are on Dry Creek Road in Healdsburg, uh, and as far as visiting or any wine tastings, uh, how does that work? Are, are you doing well, that? Well, you know, if you show up, we'll open the doors for you. <laughs> <laughs> See, you know, that's that New Zealand <laughs> charm. <laughs> Somebody's no, here, open no, the door. No, we will roll out the red carpet, mention Steve's name, and it's going to be all <laughs> It's going to be all wine to the wall, man. We'll, uh, we'll lay it all on for you. And it's called the Poor House, which says, you know, double and tundo. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great little tasting room. And, and uh, you know, you can always feel free to call the office. It's uh, 707-431-8277. Yes, and, and all um, of you driving, don't try and write that yeah, down. Just don't try and write that down. Go to goldschmidtvineyards.com and you can find out everything again. Oh, come on. Who's not texting and driving? Stop it. <laughs> Nobody who listens to this show is okay. doing that. Good, good. Uh, we're tasting a uh, what's called a Catherine. So uh, this is a, a cab from Alexander Valley 2020, which means Dan will lay it down till his, when, uh, until his grandchild is a grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I thought it'd be interesting to bring it. Because, firstly, it's, it's lovely. Part of the story, you know. So Catherine's my middle daughter, and uh, so I started making wine with her in two thousand two. And this vineyard I've been working on since nineteen ninety, and I always joke about you know when Kim Jong Un drops a nuclear bomb and we all run to the bunker. What wine are you going to take? Well, you know, it's it's you know you should take a wine from a winemaker that's been making wine for uh, you know forty fifty years, and you know. If you're going to go in the bunker for 15 years, you should take a wine that's been made by a winemaker from a vineyard that's been making wine for 20 years. So I'm waiting for them to come out with an article about the 50 best winemakers over 50 because, you know, us guys, us old guys, we have some credibility too, you know. We've been making wine from the same vineyards historically for a long time. And we know how these vineyards are going to behave in dry years, wet years, powdery mildew years, frosty years. You know, we've seen it all. So this is a really unique site. It comes from a little valley... Uh, east of Geyserville, on the corner of uh, 128 and, and um, Geyser uh, Peak Road, you know, as you head on up there, Red Winery Road and Geyser Peak. So it's right in that little valley there. It's a beautiful little vineyard, and we've been making wine there, you know, for now, what, 30 years, 32 years. So wow. it's an incredible project that I – and, you know, what children are like, or fathers will know this, that daughters don't talk to their fathers between the ages of 13 and 19. So – being a having a family project with my daughters meant that they would have to talk to me, 
And I know Chelsea is listening right now. She just texted me. I don't know if Kate's listening, but uh, <laughs> so I'm probably going to read the ravage, uh, the ravage when I get back uh, this evening as I'll have dinner with her. But uh, no, it's been just a wonderful experience as a father working with my daughters and just having this great, great relationship that I wouldn't probably normally have had if it hadn't been for wine. That's a cool story. Uh, now, this last Cabernet is the 19 Forefathers. Tell us about that. So Forefathers is the first wine that I secretly made when I was still working for corporations. So my idea was this. when Because of what I had done, when you think about the best Sauvignon Blanc in the world for me, Marlborough, when you think about the best Shiraz, um, McLaren Vale in Australia, Uco Valley for Malbec in Argentina, and Cabernet for California. So we made the best new world wine that we possibly could for each one of these varieties from, and these are not just, you know, I call up the grower and make the wine. These are vineyards that I've been working on again for a long, long time. So this is the forefathers, forefathers meaning the forefather appellation for that variety in the new world. I still think Cabernet is best made in the north coast, so this is why we chose that. Um, On the label, uh, man, I wish you could see this label. But don't look while you're driving. Just hold it up um, to the mic. They can hold all it up see to it. the mic. Yeah. So on the labels, a pair of boots that I used to wear when I walked around see me, faded out. Uh, you can't read it as my constitution that I wrote when I became an American citizen. I wrote my own constitution about, and you know, it wasn't it was it wasn't very cool back then. But fish friendly farming, sustainability, organics, biodynamics, etc. And then the signature says Nick Goldschmidt on the bottom. It's actually not my signature. It's, it's a knockoff of John Hancock. I stole from the Constitution, changed it to my own. And then, <laughs> and then the vineyard is called Lone Tree. And what's really cool about it, unfortunately I only make 300, two, 300 cases of this wine, but what's really unique, and, and maybe this is something for the future, but this wine, uh, this vineyard is growing uh, without water. And this is something that we're going to live with. I'm, I make a number of wines around the world, and particularly in Argentina, in Casablanca, in Chile, where we, we don't have any water. And, um, and this is the, the sister of that made here in California. So with, without water, you have you know, a berry. I hate to talk metric, but Cabernet normally weighs about 0.95 grams of berry. A dry farm berry weighs about 0.8. So your skin-to-pulp ratio is much higher so the day you crush it is black uh, immediately because it, it's just so oh, intense. The color and, of this is and the color of this, and today it still Beautiful. holds the same. The you tans- could put a strobe light behind it and never see the light. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when, when Dan poured that from the bottle, it looked like oil coming out. It was that deeply, darkly black. Well, and it's you, a natural extraction. When you point a reference as a stout, I mean, um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe this is a little deep for you. It was not an. I was not. Oh, right, right, right. It was so noticeable that it was and, so dark. But it's just a really impressive vineyard, and we call it Lone Tree. And there's one tree that sits out in the middle of this vineyard, and and uh, it survived through the drought. You know, it's it's done okay. But more cassis the, in the aroma than anything else. But the wine has such an incredible balance and structure that it belies the fact that it's dark in color. It's going to live for at least 25 years. So you're going to lay it down for 25 years? I will like certainly, I said, and I'll be there. Yes, you will, I know. You're, because of uh, your lay-down uh, theories, you're going to live to be 150. 
I'm ready for that. <laughs> We're all ready for it, Dan. The, the funny th- I hope you're at my birthday party, Steve. <laughs> and I hope you're well, on my show on, when we will be. We'll be both 150 years old. We'll be blessing the coffin as it lowers into the ground. Uh, <laughs> as we lay him down. <laughs> lay down. Lay down. Then I just don't pour that one on my ground. Dan, lay it down, burger. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> lay him down. I'm going to throw a glass of this wine on your. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's not go there. But um, until. But you have to do it after you've already passed it through your kidneys <laughs> uh well thanks dan thanks for sharing thanks for sharing thanks well, for the, the wine story. is worth drinking <laughs> all right well okay it's nick nick goldschmidt it's nick goldschmidt uh, from goldschmidtvineyards.com go to the website check out everything they're doing there the whole story is phenomenal on everything that nick does traveling all over the world dan Nick is the most amazing winemaker on the planet, and this was a two-and-a-half-hour show reduced for time constraints because <laughs> we don't have the time to talk about how great Nick really is. Well, thank you, Dan. We had thank the you, time. Steve. You just didn't talk about it. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. I've just said it. Nick's one of the great winemakers in the world, and I, I mean the world, yes. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, incredible stuff, and again, available, uh, some, some of it. Much of it, I uh, suppose, available at Bottle Barn. Bottle Barn and Oliver's, Oliver's yeah. yeah. And then our tasting room up in Dry Creek, of course. And, yeah, and the 2019 Forefathers Lone Tree. Or, this is unbelievable. I, people should pay attention. This is good stuff. All right. It's goldschmidtvineyards.com. Nick, always great to see you. It's been too long, and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks, man. Awesome. I don't know how many of these we've done, but it's always a privilege. Thank you. It's always great to see you. And Dan Berger will be back next Wednesday on California Wine Country.